Welcome to the Pet Cash Pod presented by ProFluence Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Pet Cash. Believe it or not, this is the 50th episode in my series where I interview founders, investors, athletes, and the smartest people in sports. Today's guest is Ian Goldberg, CEO and founder of iSport360. Launched in 2017, iSport360 has raised about $2 million to date, and they help youth sport coaches, players, and parents set goals, foster healthy team communication, and engage in a positive way. They also have a media arm with over 500,000 newsletter subscribers. Ian is a father, coach, and entrepreneur who founded three companies before the age of 18 and then helped his family's food distribution company for over 15 years before deciding to build iSport360. This was a fascinating conversation revolving around the youth sports landscape, particularly private equity firms entering the space, impact of travel teams, NIL, specialization, and more of his unique insights. You'll enjoy this one. I certainly did. Let's dive in. Ian, appreciate you coming on the podcast today. We, we were chatting a little bit on LinkedIn. I'm excited about this one. Youth sports is a, is a space I'm always very fascinated by. I see a lot of opportunity in. Yeah, yeah. I'm neck deep in it, uh, Andrew. So thanks for having me here to talk about it. Well, I want to start off with some. You were uh, in our messages. You were talking about you're at the NBA Junior Leadership Summit, and there's a lot of talk about youth sports, where it's going. Just curious how some of those conversations went, what was being talked about. And, uh, you know, any takeaways that you have from it that you think is insightful and, and other people would like to, to hear that weren't there? Yep. Well, just for back, background purposes. So I'm a sports dad. I'm a volunteer coach. Uh, I'm also the founder and CEO of a, a youth sports technology company. So I see these things from all different angles. But there were some themes at the Junior NBA conference that we see across every sport, not just basketball. You know, certainly youth sports is suffering a bit from parent issues, overzealous parents on the sidelines. We could probably do a one-hour podcast on that. There's a, a lack of referees and umpires because so many of them have just, they ran to the hills because of the stuff they have to deal with at games. One of the things that I hear a lot and something that I'm working on a lot is helping young athletes take ownership of their youth sports experience. In too many cases, it becomes their parents' journey rather than theirs. So we're doing whatever we can to help get kids to take ownership, learn how to be in charge of their own development, their own practice schedule, communicating with their team and building their own team culture rather than having the coach and mom and dad doing all that. So these are a lot of the themes that um, we talked about at uh, the Junior NBA conference. Yeah, it's good to see even the NBA is putting on events like that. And I'm sure there's other major sports entities that do the same. And I know you mentioned in there, Sports Tech Founder, some of those sports dad, right? So I guess we'll kind of go back to that. You know, how did you get involved in the youth sports space? What are you building at iSport360, which is naturally you're going to bring up? And uh, yeah, we'll take it from there and then we'll start picking it apart. Yeah, sure, sure. So I live in New Jersey. I'm a, a sports dad to two teenage daughters. I started coaching them when they were about four years old, not because I was an amazing athlete. I just wanted to sort of give some of my time and spend time with my daughters and Candidly, I really wanted my daughters to play ball because um, I wanted to play with them. So that's how I got into youth sports. One of the things that most volunteer coaches notice really quickly is that it's a hard job and it's really hard to manage the parents. I was spending like 80% of my time managing the parents on the team and 20% of my time managing the kids and helping the kids. And that's really hard and very frustrating. And so that sort of gets into how I started iSport360. I just felt like parents, 
coaches and kids can do a much better job of collaborating, communicating, sharing feedback, setting goals. And if you look at, you know, look at classrooms where teachers, parents, and kids work together very well, we need to be doing more of that in youth sports. So that was really the impetus for me starting iSport 360. Yeah, it's funny. My dad, he did coach me up through, like, I don't know, fourth through sixth grade. And then somehow we got the middle school job and then he was an assistant. And then, so I have two younger brothers as well. And we all got done playing basketball. And literally the year my last brother got done, they, he got hired as the head coach. And so he never even got to coach any of his kids at the high school level. But it's funny because I see a lot of, hear a lot about him. It's always usually him like, man, these parents, oh man, the kids are great. I love the kids. So I, I guess kind of off that, where is a lot of this problems coming from, from parents, you know, and then how can some of it be solved? And, uh, you know, really where is this divide? I guess you can call it where these kids get it, but the parents don't. And then obviously the coaches, you know, they fall all over the spectrum as well. Cause some are parents, some are former athletes, you know, the whole gist. Yep. All right. I'm going to try to answer the seven questions you wrapped up in that, in that one yeah. big question. And let, let's just start with, um, why things are the way they are today. I think kids are dealing with pressures today at eight years old that used to be reserved for kids in high school or college or playing at the pro level. I'm talking about the pressures of like, what club or academy is this eight-year-old going to play at? Their parents are taking them to try out at multiple different academies to get the best offer they can and be on the best team they can. Like that's crazy pressure for an eight or a 10 or even a 12-year-old kid. So that's the first thing. I think there's a huge FOMO issue going on where parents feel like if they're not getting their eight or 10 year old, the best training, you know, the most training, it's, it's crazy. So FOMO is a really, really bad uh, issue in youth sports right now. So when it comes to like getting your kids tons of training and spending a ton of money for them to get the best training, I sort of have a philosophy in our household and that is. I won't spend $1 to get my child one minute of extra training until I see them going out on their own and shooting the baskets, going in the backyard, working with a soccer ball, juggling, working, you know, working on attacking the goal. When I see that effort, then I'm happy to go get more training. But too many parents are thinking the opposite is true. Well, my kid doesn't really practice and isn't motivated. I'm going to pay to get them training so that they'll, they'll get better. You know, so maybe you had some of that experience um, in your own youth sports journey. Yeah, no, it's a great point. I mean, I had a not till I was a junior in high school, a strength coach, but it was like because I've shown effort and was lifting myself. But I was like, OK, yeah, we'll, we'll get you a little more. And then basketball, that was never a problem. It was more just working out with my AAU coach. Uh, but yep. I, I do like that philosophy. That's good. I haven't heard that one before. It makes a lot of sense. But off that point, I've seen some reports and. I mean, there's only so much data you can get, and this is a lot of it's private, but about $1,400, they say, is the average spend per kid, you know, in a youth sports setting. You know, what are your thoughts on that number? What is it actually, in your opinion? And, uh, you know, where is that going? Like, is it going to keep getting higher? Or even where is that space headed? Well, it seems to be going up forever. Like, if you look at, at the recessions in our country over the last 20 years, go back to like 2001 or look at 2008, the great recession, spending on youth sports continued to skyrocket, which is not a great thing. It's not a great look when parents should be saving their money and not spending so much of it. I think that $1,400 sounds about right 
for a travel player in any sport. But, you know, we do a lot of work with um, hockey programs, uh, NHL youth programs. They're spending eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 a year because they need to pay for the rinks, the equipment, the gear. I mean, same with lacrosse as well. I think the spending is out of control. I really try to put a lot of my time and effort into organizing free play or very inexpensive sporting activities or places where kids can go and not pay a lot of money. I mean, that's all they need to be to become good at their sport. They just need a park and a field and a, you know, a place to play. And if you look at Norway, which is the, you know, the country that everyone pretty much cites as exemplary, they don't worry about travel sports and tryouts until the kids are like 14 years old. Everything below that is recreation or free play. Yeah. I like that philosophy. And it's even interesting too, because you would think that we would be getting better talent. But even if you look at the NBA, some of the best players over the last few years are all international players. And they've, but their system's a lot even different too with the club. And it actually is a little more serious, but it's subsidized. You know, what are your thoughts kind of on even money from like advertisers or, or we'll just actually tie it in here with NIL name, image, and likeness, which now allows any athletes to get paid in certain states. You know, where, yep. where is this going from that standpoint of it going younger, the club system, you know, wherever you want to go with that? Well, actually, let's talk about the easy part, which is the advertisers. And I guess just need to candidly admit, you know, we solicit advertisers to support our newsletter. Our newsletter reaches a half a million people right now, the, the youth sports community, and we solicit advertisers. And truth be told, um, advertisers love this youth sports community because they're actually reaching two generations. So if you're, you know, an athleisure company, for example, or you're like a healthy snack company, you're reaching the moms and dads, but you're also reaching the kids. So it's a pretty attractive market. And I can understand why advertisers are throwing money here. If you want to get into NIL, that is a really, really touchy topic. At the college level, it was created for one reason, but it's starting to have a trickle effect into like the high school and younger ages. And these young kids are now doing this for money at, you know, at 12 years old, they're thinking they're just a couple of years away from, from getting a contract, a sponsorship. In my opinion, that is dangerous. Uh, it sort of takes away from the wholesome youth sports experience that we want, that I want to see. So we could do an hour pod on NILs, but I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan in, in the, at the younger ages. Yeah. And especially with some of the parents, you see it already where they're kind of taking control of the social media accounts of their eight-year-old kid and mm -hmm. trying to grow it. But it's like, are you really doing it for the kid? Or are you really doing it for yourself? Which is, which is interesting. But you spoke Correct. about your, yep. go ahead, Ian. Yeah, uh, go yeah. ahead. Well, I was, I was just going to add one, one last point there, uh, only because we're talking to your audience here and it's a pretty big audience. If you are a parent and you are posting, if your Facebook feed, your Instagram feed, your Twitter feed is filled with highlights of your child, or their latest stats or their latest awards, that's a problem. I don't care if you're doing it for NIL or you're doing it because that's all that matters to you. In both cases, we have a problem. Yeah, no, my dad always laughs at like the parents uh, that it's just like constant. It's just like, what the heck is going on? Like it's, you know, retweet or share here and there, but it's just like, let them take more control of it. Yeah, it's a it's a fine line because at the same time, college is expensive and recruiting, you know, you, there's a lot of kids that get missed. So you want to make sure you're getting all that publicity, but then it can also hurt to a point 
where brands and college coaches will say, we want to hear from the kids, you know, anyway. So it's like That's this right. whole catch 22. But you were speaking of the newsletter there a little bit and, you know, half a million subscribers, all that's awesome. Give us the breakdown on iSport360, you know, all the different operations you guys are doing, what's really going on, what impact you guys are having in the youth sports space. Yep. Well, thank you very much for asking about that. So I created iSport360 because, as I mentioned, I felt like coaches, parents, and kids really needed to do a better job of collaborating and communicating during the season. You know, one of our hypotheses is that parents are amped up on the sidelines, usually because they don't know why the coach didn't start their player, or they don't know why their player was just taken out and a sub was put in or their player didn't get enough playing time. And we felt like if parents were kind of in the loop and knew what was going on, knew what um, the coach was working on at practices or knew why their child didn't get the starting spot this week, then parents could actually relax a little bit on the sidelines, enjoy their coffee, enjoy the game. So we built iSport 360, um, you know, for those in your audience that know Team Snap, the biggest app in this space. Um, some have called us Team Snap on steroids because we, we do a lot of the same things as Team Snap. But for the first time, we are doing two things that really no one else in this industry does. The first thing is we invite kids to set up their accounts on this platform with their parents' permission. So we comply with all child privacy laws. But like every youth sports um, platform, the big ones out there, they were built for coaches and parents to communicate. We wanted to make sure kids have an account and kids are communicating with their teammates and their coaches as well. The second thing is I felt like when you look at the major youth sports platforms, it's, it's always about like registrations and credit card processing, which we, we know why that is, uh, and keeping the schedules and the sort of logistics and housekeeping. But we felt like no one was giving kids and coaches the tools they need to be successful. And I'm talking about everyone from the most elite athlete to the most recreation beginner athlete. I wanted to give kids and coaches all the tools they need to be successful during the season. So that includes like sharing practice assignments and training videos and player evaluations and tracking progress. So um, that's kind of what iSport360 is. It's an app. Um, you could use any, any device. But parents are on this, coaches are on this, and the kids are on this. So now they're all sharing the same feedback. They all know what the practice plan is for uh, this week's practice and what the skills are we're working on. And that way parents can become more supportive of coaches rather than sort of being in contention with the coaches all the time. Right. And TeamSnap, for example, they've private equity back now, I think 150 million or whatever, you know, what have you guys taken venture capital on? Are you bootstrapped? You know, what, what does that look like for you? And then also what is the, the business model, the revenue model, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So we are a B2B SaaS software company. We sell software subscriptions to youth sports organizations, like your local soccer club, your local AAU basketball club, volleyball, ice hockey, lacrosse, um, futsal. Um, that's our that's our business model. We've raised about $2 million to date, but I still consider us to be like a bootstrapped company because I don't believe in spending frivolously. I love that Team Snap was acquired by private equity. I love that private equity is coming into youth sports. It means they believe that there's impact we can make and money we can make. And, and that's kind of the ideal combination. So 
So that's great. And also, if you notice, like sports team owners and professional athletes are pouring a lot of money into this space too. So my feeling is if we can make a little bit of money in this space and make a little bit of impact, I feel good about the fact that we're in this this industry. Yeah, and you brought up the private equity, obviously Team Snap, and then you brought up the athletes. We've seen, I believe it's Jason Tatum and Connor McDavid, names that people might know, NHL and NBA player, and the program AI, which is like a youth engagement app. And then recently, IMG, very big story, 1.25 billion acquisition by a, it's a bunch of letters, but it's a Hong Kong-based company. You know, what, what are your thoughts kind of a little bit more, a little bit deeper on where this is going? Why is that interest in private equity coming in? And how's that going to transform the youth landscape? Yeah, well, we know that big time private equity coming into youth sports is a little bit of a catch-22. There's the excitement that they see business opportunities here. There's excitement that they're going to make investments and, you know, help these companies grow, companies like mine. At the same time, um, you know, it makes me a little concerned that every lacrosse tournament in my area or every, you know, indoor basketball facility is now going to be backed by a private equity company that is, has one goal, to maximize shareholder value. So I think time will tell, but without a doubt, it's undeniable that there's just a lot of momentum coming into this industry right now. Yeah, and reports as well, right? These are just people crunching numbers, but Right now, they say U Sports about a $24 billion market, going to hit $77 billion. Honestly, just side note here, I'm kind of amazed at myself that all these numbers are just ringing off my head. It shows that I'm impressed. I'm always, I'm always looking at this stuff, probably too much. But, uh, you know, what? how is there such a massive growth? Like, because they're saying that's over like the next four years. Is that the private equity? Is that NIL? Is that sports tech, like wearables going downstream? Like, why is it just going to happen at so rapid? According to them, obviously, right? It, it could happen at any pace. Yep. So I don't believe that youth sports revenue is going to triple in the next three to five years. I believe it will grow. I think the areas where it will grow most are areas where we are taking an old school process, like paying cash to referees at the time of your game. And we will start using technology to automate that. And that's fine. That's good. I mean, that's how we automate, you know, operations in youth sports. That's great. I don't, I just can't imagine that, you know, so many more kids are going to be playing sports. And I also can't imagine that parents are going to be spending like two or three times what they're spending today. I, I don't know what else you could possibly spend it on. So I see growth. I see healthy growth in this industry, but you know, tripling over the next three to five years sounds a little, little far-fetched. Yeah. And you sports, big cash business, right? And a lot of people complain about, you know, you pay for this tournament, you travel there, hotels, transportation, and then you got to pay $30 for parking and $50 for the weekend to get in. You see even like the cash part of the business kind of, you know, going away, which is maybe why we'll see more growth because a lot of it's off the book or on the books now, you know, what's your thoughts on kind of the cash aspect of you sports? Yeah, well, so there's kind of two parts to that. First of all, there's cash payments being made all the time. Like, as I mentioned, I, you know, I'm a coach. Every home game, I have to hand the referees cash, only cash, exact change for the game that they're they're refereeing. Um, so I think there's a lot of those cash payments. I have people on my team, when we sign up for a tournament, if I lay out money, like people on my team are paying me back. So there's just a lot of these micro payments still being made with cash, with checks. 
I think someone is going to come up with a, a good system for automating that. And that's going to be fantastic. But as far as the overall spending you're talking about, like when you go to a tournament, you have to pay to walk in the door. You have to register for the tournament. You have to pay for travel, hotel. You know, everyone is going to continue to try to make as much money from those things as possible. It's just, I think that's just the nature of the beast. So look, you know, Marriott is one of our, one of the sponsors of our newsletters and, and they want to get as many youth sports teams staying at a courtyard by Marriott or a residence in as they can. So they're going to continue to, to go after that. So I do think spending is going to continue to increase in that way too. Yeah, you know, we, we talk about a little bit. I'm curious. I, I One just came to my mind. I might have to write it down. It could be a good business idea down the lane but uh, or down the line. But any innovation, I know you're building in the space too, so there might be some ideas you have that maybe you don't want to cough up. But, you know, any innovations or any areas? I mean, we get a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening to this that sometimes are looking for that next thing or, you know, they're just trying to get ideas. Anything you see that, like, maybe you don't want to go after, but you could be like, hey, that could be a good opportunity for someone else that wants to go do it. Yeah, well, I've sort of given up on the device that would zap the sideline parent every time they act like an idiot. <laughs> I, so let's put that one to the side. I think everyone in, in youth sports technology is talking about this single solution that will change the world for everybody. And that is one youth sports technology platform that gives coaches, parents, kids, administrators, all they need, all the tools they need, you know, on one platform with one login, one account that doesn't exist today. I mean, we talk, we laugh about this at our company, but you know, the local president of the little league now has to manage a tech stack of five or six different software platforms. And the, the president of the little league definitely didn't take the job to manage a tech stack and is probably not equipped to manage a tech stack. So. It's just very complicated. Someone needs to really just bring all the pieces together and make, you know, the Google of youth sports. And no one has done that yet. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why I think you might agree with me on this is because that turnover rate is pretty high where, you know, you're only youth athlete for so long. Parents are only coaching youth athletes are involved for so long. You know, how are you at iSport360 managing that? And then you know, what, what are some of those problems, I guess, that you see with that and how are you getting around it? Because obviously that is a big piece of maybe why innovation is lacked just because of that quick turnover as kids get older and parents are like, oh, you know, I don't have any more kids playing new sports anymore. Well, the glass is half empty version is that, yes, everybody graduates out of youth sports, but the glass is half full perspective on that is that it is a constantly renewable audience, right? Because there's always kids coming in and there's kids graduating out. But, you know, the business opportunity is, is enormous. Kids are starting t-ball at four or five years old, and they're probably going to play baseball. Well, ideally, they'll play baseball until they're 15, 16 years old. You have 10 years of opportunity right there. So I don't, I don't really see that as a challenge. And it's an overall growing audience. So I, I don't really see too much of a challenge. But where I do see challenge and turnover is like the board of your local Little League has turnover every year or two. And so for us, when we're selling software into that, we need to make sure that we um, get the whole board comfortable with our software so that they want to stay with it, even as people phase out of that board. Yeah, I would say I'm like an optimist too on that standpoint. Because also, if you think about it, almost everyone is going to go through youth sports at some point. 
So in theory, your target market is like the entire, I'm assuming you guys are just in the States, but like the entire United States, because at some point, you know, those kids or parents are going to be involved, which is a huge market, which is uh, interesting as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. When people say like, this is a niche, this is a niche market, I, I say to myself, like, that's, that's crazy. I mean, almost every kid in America is doing some activity. Like cheerleading is a sport now. It's as competitive as anything else competitive dance, com competitive gymnastics, like almost every kid is going to do some activity. I don't care if it's horseback riding, pentathlon or, or what. Yeah. And I want to, I'm curious your thoughts on this. It's something I think about all the time, actually. I don't, I don't know why it just, I do because coming from basketball world, but there's really in youth sports, like this tier system, right? At least in basketball, I'm sure it's in other sports too, where when you look at AAU, you have the Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, now New Balance top tier leagues and under that you have the hoop group three step big shots and then under that you know you have the more local tournaments so there's really these tiers and the top players play here and it's like there's even like almost this hierarchy within high school travel sports just like there is in college i just i don't even really know my question around this i'm just curious like your breakdown of like how you see that space playing out if it's going to other sports you know your thoughts on it is it good is it bad is it changing you know, it's a pretty broad topic, but I just find it fascinating. I'm sure you have great insight or, or thoughts around it. Yes. So this is what's changed in youth sports over the last 25 years, basically. Right. I mean, these things, these, I mean, you know, maybe there was like a top, top basketball camp 25 years ago where the most elite kids went to play. But now you're right. You have this hierarchy, you have multiple levels and you know, frankly, this is what's driving parents a little bit crazy because they see their kid playing at one level and they think there's four more levels they have to get through in order to get a college scholarship. It's overwhelming. I mean, I sort of have a, a system and a recommendation in my mind, and this is what I tell parents um, at speaking engagements, but even in my community prior to prior to high school. Like just focus on making sure your kid is loving the game and sticking with it, which usually means having a pretty decent coach, having some continuous um, improvement, being surrounded by teammates who they, they like enough that they want to keep the team together. You know, then when the kid gets to maybe 13, 14 and they're, they're getting ready for high school, then you need to take these things a little more seriously. And if you think at that stage, your child has real potential, then you can go for all the different, you know, start to work your way up and get into all the ID camps and the, the recruiting events. But geez, prior, prior to high school, there's, I think there's way too much fear and competition and concern about being in the right program. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on specialization then? So I am a strong proponent of, of having kids play multiple sports. I think it really, they train in different ways in different sports, and it just makes them an all around healthier athlete and better athlete. The only thing I will say about playing multiple sports is that I'm noticing with my daughters and the girls that I coach between the ages of 10 and 13, if they're playing too many sports, there is a tendency for injury. Their bodies are really changing. And so I would just say to parents out there, just be very aware of overuse injuries because the knees, the ankles, the feet are really starting to take a beating. And if you're playing too many sports in one season, it really can take its toll on you girls. Yeah, I definitely played good amount of sports growing up but then and like scaled it back i probably probably did it right not knowing it was just like what we did luckily yeah but that's good 
Yeah. Now, Ian, as we kind of close out here, hit the 30 minute mark, you know, give us any initiatives you guys are currently working at iSport360 you want to talk about and then where we can find out more, you know, website, social media, whatever else where, where people can visit and learn some more. Sure. Well, thanks again so much for having me here. So iSport360 has software for youth sports clubs that helps coaches, kids, and parents collaborate, work together have a, to have a better sports season. So I would encourage everyone to visit our website. It's iSports360.com. But the other thing we do, and it's actually very uh, something very rewarding for me, is we write a newsletter every week. This goes out to sports parents, coaches, and administrators. We have about a half a million subscribers to our newsletter. We try to share articles that could cover anything from better hydration and nutrition for young athletes to how do we give athletes more ownership over their youth sports experience? How do we have better sideline behavior as sports parents? But the exciting thing is we are very close to signing some deals that would take our distribution of our newsletter to about 10 million users. So I'm very excited about that. I'm happy to share it with your audience and really appreciate this invite today. It's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Ian. And uh, as U Sports continues to play out, we'll, we'll have you on if anything else big happens on, on your side or on the U Sports side of things. Great, Andrew. Thank you.